Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is episode 11 of Trash Talk with TK on the Wednesday, uh, first official day of free agency, even though there was the two-day ridiculous legal tampering period in the NFL. But the first official day of free agency, we'll discuss what the Eagles have done so far, what they may do going forward, and just some of the craziness going on in the NFL and what was expected to be a crazy week. Uh, We'll also talk a little bit about the Sixers' disappointing loss on Tuesday night at home to the Indiana Pacers at the Wells Fargo Center. As the Sixers lose a very frustrating game as they head down the stretch, let's get started. So the Eagles, as as the first official day of free agency hits, uh, they've already had this two-day legal tampering period, which I think is the dumbest thing in the world. Uh, just in general, the phrase legal tampering is completely contradictory. Tampering, I believe, is an illegal act. So the phrase legal tampering is just stupid. They should just open free agency on Monday and have everybody start negotiating that everybody's illegally doing it anyway. So they should just open everything on Monday. The stupid two day negotiating window before anybody can sign is ridiculous. Everybody knows what the contracts are going to be anyway, but as the day of official signing comes, the Eagles are in a great spot. And they're in a great spot because of Howie Roseman and what Howie Roseman has done so far. No huge, splashy, sexy moves out of the Eagles. A lot of teams going out there signing big-name free agents to big-money deals. But you just see Howie Roseman's approach and the way he's handling things so far, and it's right on point. It's exactly what you want to see And exactly what you expected to see from a guy who has quickly become the best executive in all of football. With Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas at the helm, the Eagles, I truly believe, are the best run front office in all of football. And you've seen it so far. On Tuesday, under the radar, kind of minor moves, but moves that put you in a great position going forward. The biggest one of which, getting Lane Johnson to restructure his contract. In doing so, saving you $7.5 million in cap space this year. That's a big number. That's a very large number to get one of your best players to restructure and move money around. And Lane Johnson, in the end, he's not losing anything. He's going to see that money. But... To have the ingenuity, the creativeness to make the money work in order to to make it work for you and open up space is tremendous. And Howie Roseman is better at doing that than anybody. And freeing up that $7.5 million is huge. It can enable you to keep players you otherwise might not be able to keep. We're doing this podcast at about 1.30 on Wednesday afternoon, so... 
things could happen after we're done here that make this look outdated very quickly. But there are guys that you, you'd you think that the Eagles were, were going to have to cut that now maybe they can keep. You know, maybe now you can keep a Vinnie Curry. I doubt it, but it's possible. Maybe you can keep a Jason Peters. There are th- This gives the Eagles some options that you didn't expect them to have beforehand. Elsewhere, they, they cut Brent Selleck, saves $5 million. You all knew that was coming. There's no way Brent Selleck was coming back at that number. The fact that they cut him and didn't restructure his contract kind of tells me as well they're not really interested in bringing him back at all. Is there still a possibility, I guess, that Brent Selleck could re-sign and return in 2018? I guess it's possible. If he goes out there, there's no market. Maybe he wants to come back and play it at close to the veteran minimum and the Eagles, if they still have a need for a reserve tight end at that point, a blocking tight end, maybe they consider that. But the fact they didn't restructure kind of tells me that they're ready to move on and it's the right thing to do. It's one of those tough decisions and this is the tough thing about sports and the tough thing about running an organization. But one of the things that tells me the Eagles are doing it the right way and are prioritizing things the right way. You want to take care of the guys who have meant so much to your organization, like Brent Selleck. Brent Selleck, 11-year pro, he missed a one game in 11 years. You know how, how rare that is for a guy at that physical position, like tight end, to be that durable? A guy that played the position as physically as Brent Selleck did. He's not one of these finesse tight ends. He's not one of these guys you're lining up on the outside all the time. This is an inline blocker, a guy who who did the dirty work, would go over the middle to make catches, make the tough catches, help get you the tough yards, whether that's making a tough catch and taking a hit or, or making that extra block to get a guy an extra yard or two. You know, for a guy to play that physical a brand of football and to miss one game in 11 years, he's an Iron Man. He's an absolute Iron Man, and it's going to be upsetting to see Brent Selleck go, but it's absolutely the right decision. And I was talking about this on one of my shows last weekend on 94 WIP about the way teams operate and the way you want your team to operate. And... Whether you want your organization to be one that, that's sentimental. And I don't think you do. In the end, you need an organization. You need guys at the helm that are going to be cold-blooded. Uh, guys that are going to make the tough decisions. Even if it's getting rid of a guy who who is a, a legendary player in, in the franchise's history. A special player in the franchise's history. But they're willing to let him go, make the tough decisions, because in the end, it's the right thing for the team. It's the right thing for the organization. And that's what the Eagles did with Brent Selleck yesterday. No hard feelings. Great Eagle. He'll come back. He'll be honored. But it was time to move on. And the Eagles made the right move. Signing Haloni Nada to a one-year deal. Solid move. They weren't going to be able to retain Bo Allen. In the end, I, you know... Bo Allen is a guy I didn't want to lose, but you knew they were going to lose him. Bo Allen's a younger player, a solid third defensive tackle who will go somewhere, maybe have the opportunity to start, have the opportunity certainly somewhere else to play more snaps. The snaps 
he, he played a decent amount of snaps here, certainly at the end of the year in the playoffs. He took a lot of, of Timmy Jernigan's as Jernigan kind of faded. But Haloti Nada now comes in to replace Bo Allen in that third defensive tackle role, and it's a signing that reminds me a lot of Chris Long last year. Very similar to Chris Long, a veteran player with postseason and Super Bowl experience at the end of his career, one-year deal, guy wants to win, and this is the advantage to winning a Super Bowl. Getting guys at a discount. Because you get players that come here at the end of their careers that want to win. They want to take one more shot at it. And that's where you're getting a Lodinata. A guy who wants to take one more shot at getting a ring. That's why he came to Philadelphia. There's no doubt in my mind. Haloti Nada came to Philadelphia because he thinks this is one of the best chances he has in his limited time left. This could be his last year in the league. He's 34 years old. But he signs a one-year deal. The number's not out yet, but it's probably a pretty cheap deal. He comes here because he knows this gives him an opportunity to win. And it reminds me very much of the Chris Long deal last year. And look at the impact that Chris Long had on this team both in the locker room and on the field. Chris Long made what was maybe the biggest play of the Eagles' regular season last year. The strip sack of Jared Goff in L.A. may have been the biggest play in the Eagles' regular season. If Chris Long doesn't make that play, they don't win that game. In my opinion, the two biggest plays of the Eagles' regular season last year were that strip sack, well, three biggest plays, that strip sack, Jake Elliott's 61-yard field goal against the Giants, and Carson Wentz's touchdown pass on the fourth and one after he tore up his knee in that Los Angeles game. Without that Carson Wentz pass on fourth and one, and without the Chris Long strip sack, you do not win that Rams game. And that game was huge in terms of getting the Eagles home field advantage. If the Eagles had to go to Minnesota in the playoffs, who knows if that game's completely different. I'm not saying Haloti Nod is going to come in and have that kind of impact that Chris Long had, but it's the same kind of signing. And I love bringing in veteran players on one-year deals to kind of help uh, a team that's ready to go deep and, and make a run at another Super Bowl. And then the other move, they they signed the linebacker from Denver. His name's actually eluding me now. But a special teams guy will come in, uh, possibly play a little defense. I basically... The way I view that move is it's an upgrade over Najee Good. Najee Good is a free agent. And Najee Good, a good special teams player, no pun intended. But a guy that, as we saw in the NFC Championship game, you really can't trust on defense. So you upgrade, you get a, a similar special teams type player. But a guy that I think maybe they could see taking some defensive snaps. A guy that maybe they... they feel like can play a role in some of their defensive sub-packages. So that was a good new move. And then Wednesday morning, this is the big one so far. The Eagles signed Nigel Bradham to a five-year $40 million deal, or were the reported numbers. And I got to say, I'm really surprised. I thought Nigel Bradham was going to leave. I just didn't think the Eagles would, in the end, have the resources to retain him. With, some, with the market that would be out there and the kind of money he was going to make. But this is, again, Howie Roseman. The Lane Johnson restructuring a huge part in getting Nigel Bradham in here. The fact that Lane Johnson willing to restructure that deal opened up enough money to where you could retain Nigel Bradham, and it's a huge, 
huge signing for the Eagles to keep Nigel Bradham around. I love Jordan Hicks, but you don't know if Jordan Hicks will be healthy. You don't know if Jordan Hicks will ever be healthy. He's never been healthy his entire career. Bringing back a veteran like Nigel Bradham is extremely important. Guy was one of the best players on the defense last year. Had a tremendous year, a leader on the defense, the quarterback of that defense once Jordan Hicks went out. And he's going to play a major role. Now that they have Bradham under contract, I would not be surprised. I'd expect Michael Kendricks to be moved. I just don't know how you could pay Bradham and Kendricks. Hicks will be up for a new contract after this season, but you can't give him an extension now. You need him to play this year out, prove to you that he can stay healthy. Then if he does, give him a new deal. But Kendricks will, will probably be gone now, and we'll get into that in a minute. We will now discuss what the Eagles could do moving forward after their moves so far in free agency. So now after these moves that we just discussed with the Eagles, obviously I think so far doing a very nice job, the question is where do they go from here? Where does Howie Roseman go from here to continue to add to and improve this football team? And there are a few things I think they can do, a few things I think they will do. Just talked about possibly trading Michael Kendricks. I'd expect that to happen. I don't see how you can pay both Nigel Bradham and Michael Kendricks this upcoming season. Just too much money committed to the linebacker position, a position that the Eagles have shown over the course of their history, uh, franchise history, that, yeah, they want good linebackers, but they're not going to prioritize that position. They're not going to put a ton of money into that position, which is why another reason why I was surprised they were willing to sign Nigel Bradham, even though I think it was a good move. Because the Eagles just historically have not been a team that, you know, throws a lot of money at linebacker. They just don't. They normally do not uh, invest a lot of money in that position. You know, the way the Eagles operate, the way they've operated for years and the way they operate under Howie Roseman is spend money, invest heavily in the trenches. Invest heavily in offensive line, invest heavily in defensive line, and invest heavily in the secondary. That's the way they did it in the early part of the Andy Reid era when they had their most success, and that's the way they've gotten back to doing it under Howie Rosen. When you look at all the money they have committed to the line with Fletcher Cox and Tim Jernigan, a possible Brandon Graham extension coming up, which I think should happen, I hope it does happen, but at the same time not ruling out Brandon Graham trade. I expect them to to extend Brandon Graham, though, and invest more money there. Vinny Curry, a guy that's highly paid. He's probably going to be his way, on his way out the door to free some of that money up to pay Brandon Graham. That's the way I think that's all going to go down. But the point is, Eagles invest heavily in the trenches, investing a lot of money in Lane Johnson, investing a lot of money in Brandon Brooks, investing in Jason Peters and possibly keeping him around. Investing picks in Big V and Isaac Sayamalu. They want to beef up those lines. And then in the secondary, you pay Rodney McLeod. You pay Malcolm Jenkins. You trade for Ronald Darby. 
That's the way the Eagles build. They usually don't invest in linebacker. That's why there's no way they're going to come back paying Nigel Bradham his new salary and paying Michael Kendricks a big number as well. So I'd expect Michael Kendricks to be on his way out the door. I expect the Eagles to sign a wide receiver. As we started the podcast, a very interesting name now on the market that I would strongly consider I had discussed this guy last week speculating that he may be cut, and indeed he was cut, and that's former Eagle Jeremy Macklin, cut by the Baltimore Ravens. And this is not a sentimental thing. This is not a sentimental decision in bringing back Jeremy Macklin, potentially. I'd bring back Jeremy Macklin because I think he fills an obvious need right now. You just traded Torrey Smith for Daryl Worley. Yeah, Mac Collins is going to play more. He's going to step into the kind of that stretch wide receiver role. Nelson Aguilar will be in effect the the number two, but he plays in the slot. So on the outside, Matt Collins will play more snaps in that role. But you still need a veteran guy. You can't trust Shelton Gibson as your fourth receiver. He didn't show you enough. So I would love to bring in Jeremy Macklin to kind of replace Torrey Smith as that veteran presence in the wide receiver court, and a guy who I still think's got a little left, I actually think you'd upgrade. I think Jeremy Macklin would be an upgrade over Torrey Smith at this point, and it would be a great fit. Torrey, or Jeremy Macklin apparently had interest in returning to the Eagles last offseason, and apparently his decision came down to the Eagles or the Ravens, and partly because the Eagles had Torrey Smith, maybe the fit wasn't as good here, so he went to Baltimore. But now with Torrey Smith gone, you pair Alshon Jeffrey with Jeremy Macklin, Nelson Aguilar, Mack Holland, Zach Ertz. That is an upgraded receiving core in my mind to last year. And more toys and more weapons for Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. The last thing I would expect the Eagles to do is I, I still think another shoe has got to drop in the secondary. Whether that's Ronald Darby, whether that's Rodney McLeod, whether it's Jalen Mills. I think it'll be Darby. I'd expect it to be Darby. I'd like it to be Darby. He's only under contract for one more year. But I think the Eagles are still going to trade a guy in that secondary. They just have too many bodies right now. Sidney Jones is going to step in and play. Whether it's Jalen Mills or Darby, one of those guys is going to be the other starting corner. Worley, how does he fit in? Rasul Douglas, how does he fit in? Maybe one of those guys moves to safety and you deal Rodney McLeod. I don't know. But I still think one of those secondary players is going to get traded. I'd expect it to be Ronald Darby being the guy who's not under contract beyond this year. And that should bring you some more picks when you're already needy in picks. And the fact that the Eagles traded for Michael Bennett last week tells me that they're going to they're they're expecting to get some of those mid-round picks back somehow. And I think that probably comes via trade for a guy in the secondary. Now we'll uh, switch gears and and look at the the league in general and how some of the craziness so far in free agency plays into the Eagles. So Tuesday was a crazy day in the league. And mainly the big position was the quarterback position as expected. Drew Brees stays put in New Orleans. As expected, Kirk Cousins signs with Minnesota, which, by the way, a fallout of that is 
Minnesota does come back to link this year. And with the added storyline of Kirk Cousins signing in Minnesota, I think you could pretty much book that that's going to be the opening night game. I thought before it was between Minnesota or the Cowboys as far as what would be the opening night game. Because remember, Eagles being Super Bowl champions, they'll play in that Thursday night game. That first game of the year at home. And I think this solidifies with that extra storyline that it's going to be Vikings-Eagles opening night. And that would be really cool. To beat Kirk Cousins night one at the link, whether it's Carson Wentz or Nick Foles at quarterback, would be great. But I think that solidifies that as being the opening night opponent. And then some of the other quarterback moves. And in a second, I will go off. But Case Keenum signs with Denver. Fine as a bridge quarterback. I'd still expect Denver to draft one high. I don't think they believe in Paxton Lynch. That's what this shows you. Because if if they believed at all in Paxton Lynch, they'd give him the opportunity to start next year. He's going into his third year in the league. The fact they're not giving him the reins tells you they don't think he can play. They're... They're chalking that one up as a mistake. And I used to quarterback high and have Keenum start the next. And the move that drove me out of my mind, the move that absolutely drove me out of my mind, the Arizona Cardinals. What the hell are the Arizona Cardinals doing? What the Cardinals did yesterday is an affront and a, a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace, and it shows you just how dumb some of these organizations and some of these general managers are in the NFL. What they did yesterday was an embarrassment. To give Sam Bradford $20 million at this point in his career, that bum, that freaking bum, guy who's accomplished nothing, accomplished nothing in 10 years in the NFL, 9, 10 years, whatever it is, He stinks. And to give him $20 million to come in and be your starter, what the hell are you doing? And then they sign Mike Glennon? You'd think maybe they have learned from their past failures from going from Carson Palmer and Drew Stanton to Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon? The whole organization should be fired. No wonder Bruce Arians retired. If he knew this is the way they were going to go, Sam Bradford's accomplished nothing. He stinks. And the fact I still need to argue with people about this guy is absurd to me. If you think Sam Bradford can play, you don't know what you're looking at. He can't stay healthy, and he's not good when he does play. He's mediocre, if at best. He's never been any better than that, and he'll never be any better than that. And the fact that he's still getting $20 million contracts is a joke. It is an absolute joke. And yeah, it pissed me off. It bothered me. It bothered me that people are still this this uninformed and this stupid in this league. That Sam Bradford is still getting $20 million contracts. What are you doing? What are you doing? If I was the Cardinals, I'd assign anybody over Sam Bradford. I'd have brought in Teddy Bridgewater. At least he's a young guy with potential. I'd have brought in A.J. McCarron. What do you have to lose? You at least haven't seen him play. You've seen Sam Bradford play. He stinks. He's no good. That that That's all I got on, on, on Sam Bradford. I'm sorry. I just had to go off there. But then Teddy Bridgewater goes to the Jets. And that's pretty much the quarterback carousel. I, could, I, I just need to get that off my chest. 
I was infuriated when I saw that Sam Bradford contract. Just infuriated. And I'll tell you what, all the quarterbacks, the quarterback carousel seems to have settled with Nick Foles still in Philadelphia. And I got to say, I I think at this point, there's probably a better chance than not he stays put. And I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I I think everybody may have gotten ahead of themselves with the Nick Foles trade, myself included. I think we kind of overvalued Nick Foles here. Obviously, guys around the league don't see what he did as any more than a fluke. The fact you're not getting any legitimate offers, a second-round pick's all you got offered. I don't think it's worth a a late second-round pick, which is what I think it was because Buffalo is the team that everybody's pretty sure was the one that made that offer. I, I wouldn't give Nick Foles up for the 53rd pick. I'd hold him. He's a good insurance policy. I'd actually pivot, and I think the Eagles would probably extend him now for a year. Extend Nick Foles for a year, keep developing Nate Sudfeld, and this way Carson Wentz does not have to rush back at all. When Carson's ready, he will step in. It will be his team. But until that point, Nick Foles is a fine back backup option. And who knows? Things can still happen. Guys could get moved. Nick Foles could still get moved. But at this point, I wouldn't expect it. And that would be fine with me. So we'll see how that plays out. Buffalo's really the only team I could see making a move for him. But they moved up to 12. Word is, they're trying to get up even higher to get a franchise quarterback kind of using the Eagles model, what they did to get up to Carson get Carson Wentz. So I'd expect Nick Foles to stay put. We'll see what happens. But the quarterback carousel, Sam Bradford, it just drove me nuts. Had to get that off my chest. Now we'll talk a little bit about the Sixers, a tough night at the Wells Fargo Center on Tuesday. And now before we close things out, I just want to touch on the Sixers' tough loss to the Pacers last night. A rough loss in which the Sixers didn't play well in what was a really big game. It was disappointing to see. It really was. A really important game. One of the biggest games for this organization in years when you look at all the tanking and everything and the fact that they're right with Indiana in the playoff hunt, a team that I still think Indiana would be the best matchup for the Sixers in the playoffs. I'm not a huge believer in that team. They're they're well-coached. They are a decent team, but the Sixers are, are more talented, and I think over the course of a series, that would bear out, and the Sixers would end up getting the job done in probably like six games or something. But rough loss. Joel Embiid, he just doesn't look right. I, I, just the last couple weeks, whether it's fatigue, hitting a wall, I'm not sure, but Joel Embiid, as much as he, he is tremendous, and he is, he's fantastic. He is such a good player, and he's going to be a tremendous player. Has the potential to be the best player in the league. He really does, but he really needs to be a little less careless with, with the basketball. He needs to clean up these turnovers because sometimes it is just too much, and it's really hurting your team at times. You know, he had close to 10 turnovers last night. He's got to he's gotta take better care of the ball. Just has to take better care of the ball. And just a frustrating loss all the way around. Way too many turnovers. And I got to address Robert Covington real quick. Because everybody's so divided on this guy. And, you know, it's frustrating on both sides. You know, people say he's got awful. He's not awful. But people who, who are these Covington truthers, these Covington defenders, act like he's one of the best defenders in the game. He's not. He's not. And I... I, I I think analytics do 
have a, a place, especially in the NBA. It's a good way to, to learn things that you don't always see, don't always jump out the on paper. But all the analytics on Covington, all the defensive metrics you want to throw at me, I don't care. Robert Covington is not a very good on-ball defender. He's not. He gets beat off the dribble time and time again. Yeah, Victor Oladipo shot poorly last night. He beat Covington off the dribble all night long. Covington got beat off the dribble last week by Dwayne Wade. The last two games they played in Miami. 36-year-old Dwayne Wade was was beating Covington time and time again off the dribble. So there's a middle ground. He's not as awful as some people say, but he's not this defensive stopper like others say. So I, I just want people to kind of be realistic with what Robert Covington is. He's an okay player. There are some things defensively that he does do very well. He's good at getting passing lanes. He's he's a good anticipative anticipating defender, but he's not a a defensive stopper. He's not a top 10 defensive player in the league. And people need to, you know, kind of understand that. And he's, he's a three and D guy. Who's not a great shooter. He's just an average player. He's just a guy. He's not awful, but he's not great. He's not this, this hidden gem either. That's what I got on Robert Covington Sixers. Um, back to back coming up with the Knicks and Nets. Two games they should win and need to win. Joel Embiid, I'd sit Joel Embiid in the next game, to be honest with you. The Nets game is the home game. I'd play him in that one. I'd rest him against the Knicks. He needs some time off. Needs a little bit of time off here as you head down the stretch because you want him fresh for the playoffs. You need him fresh for the playoffs. And there's no need to kind of, you know, burn him out now down the stretch in the regular season. Get him a little rest. You should be able to beat the Knicks on the road without him and go from there. And as far as Markel Fultz, he looks better in the videos, but they're not playing him. I don't know what to tell you. I'd play him. I don't know what the harm would be. If he's ready to play, I'd play him. You need help in the backcourt, but they're not going to play him. I'll tell you right now. I'd be stunned if Markel Fultz plays a game before the end of the season. Don't think it's happening. We'll see him next year. I don't think Brett Brown wants to disrupt the rotation right now just weeks before the playoffs. And with that, that'll do it for Trash Talk with TK. Episode 11. Not on 94 WIP this weekend. I'll be back on the following week. Have my bachelor party in New Orleans this weekend. So uh, I'll be back next week, hopefully. Um, But we'll talk next time. I'm Tom Kelly. This has been Trash Talk with TK. Thanks for listening. See you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.